Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to the England chapter of Masks of Neuralothotep. We have a bounty of people who are waiting to introduce themselves to you, and uh, we'll just get started right off the top. So to my right. Lonnie. I'm playing Lawrence Edward Oliver Forsyth, and uh, we just had a wonderful evening. Well, we'll see about that. To, uh, to his right. I'm Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and... We are doing some things. <laughs> it's very general of you. Yes, things. Uh, I think you're going to go house hunting. Is that yet true? That's, that hunting? sounds like a plan. Yeah. Sort of okay. At the end of the table. This is Jake. I'll be playing Jack Doyle, and I am not doing Overwatch this game. That's probably true. Yes. Uh, to uh, Jake's right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tattenbach, who is doing a lot of things, although him no one notices. No one notices. The doctor is much like a uh, much much like a, an octopus in the sense that many many tendrils are moving in different areas and people aren't seeing them. Uh, to the doctor's right. This is Tiffany and I play Maeve O'Shea and things are going to get interesting. Now you can you can feel when Tiff gets the spotlight. She gets jazzed up and you can tell that she's ready to just lose sanity and burn things to the ground. I, I think it's great. Well, Maeve has very much has, uh, you know, tunnel vision. So, I mean, it's it's pretty exciting. It is. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll see about that. Uh, to her right. Uh, this is Alex. I'll be playing Simon Granger. And uh, at this moment, I can only picture Dr. Sigmund with a bunch of tentacles. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, and last but most certainly not least. Hi, I'm Rena and I'm playing Samantha Mulberry and I am crashing this party. You are officially crashing this party. All right, so we will raise the curtain on this episode uh, with a cadre of four investigators making their way north from the Mulberry residence to Camden to the estate, uh, which was used for a potentially very disastrous or possibly very productive ritual about a year ago or so. So we open our camera lens on Maeve, Samantha and Lillian with the doctor trying to uh, keep up with his cane, as it were. Uh, You're approaching the house, uh, the estate itself. And so it's a fairly large estate. Looks like whoever owned it before was fairly affluent. It's surrounded by a wall. The estate itself boasts about 20 acres of land upon which it rents a sizable manor, a pleasant garden, and a place for what you think is probably was at one point a place for coaches like horses and and whatnot Um, there's something about the house that glowers at you from from the moment you step in front of it just as you're walking along the wall this pathway that goes up you can see the wall rise on the right hand side of the 
the walkway and you can feel the house look out over that wall at you. Especially you, Miss O'Shea. Is there anything in the windows as we're walking up? No, the window the windows are dark. The entire estate is cold. Doesn't look like anyone's been here for a long time. Well, it's been about a year, I think everybody has said. Seems that way, yes. Samantha's kind of hanging back a little bit, using the the doctor as an excuse. I don't want to leave him by himself, but she's definitely slowing down the closer they get. I am understanding that you are returning to a place that was not altogether pleasant for you. Uh, yes, if if you want to call the brutal murder of one of my friends by another one of my friends uh, not pleasant, I think you'd be right. Well, I have a gift for understatement. Yes, it's a very German thing, I've heard. Well, it runs in my Bavarian blood, what can I say? But do not worry, we have been through unimaginable things by this point, and we will be here to protect you as best as we can. He pats you on the hand. That's, uh, very reassuring. Uh, thank you, uh, Herr Doctor. Not at all, Fräulein. Uh, you arrive at the front gates. Um, you can see these large, what, maybe 10, 12-foot wrought iron gates that are still sealed shut. Uh, there's no chain to speak of, but the gates themselves seem pretty well held fast. Is there a key for the gate? Looking at Samantha. Yeah, I I don't think so. Uh, it, it, I don't have one for certain. Mike, how big is the lock on the chain? Given some of your knowledges, I would say that the lock isn't very large. Maybe it's more for show. Miss hmm. Lane, if I am not mistaken, you have recently received the usage of a hatchet? I, I, I have, and I reach down and pull my uh, hatchet from my boot. He gestures to the lock. <laughs> Samantha, she, she produces a hatchet. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. You're going to give it a good whack? I'm going to whack it. You lift up and bring the hatchet down, probably the uh, butt end of it, so that way it gets the back end of the blade rather than destroy the blade. Uh, and with a single swift strike, the lock cracks open and falls discarded, showing signs of uh, what looks like rust on the inside. Ugh, barbarians. <laughs> I'm sorry we didn't pick that lock for you there, Jake. <laughs> Look, the lock is open. The gate is open. What do you want? <laughs> I put the hatchet back in my boot. As elegant as if Mr. Odo Mr. Doyle had done it himself, Miss Blaine. Make sure you tell him that when you see him. <laughs> of course I will, of course. Now, after you. Yeah, I'll start heading up to the house. You push open one side of this tall, wrought iron gate, and there's a unpleasant creak and groan from the iron as it moves on the hinges. The grounds themselves look like they haven't been kept up in some time. In fact, it doesn't look much like much of anything has been done. The yard's overgrown, so are the bushes. It's definitely not the place you remember being a year ago, Samantha. I guess no one's uh, been here since it happened. Uh, it's a little unsettling. I'm sort of looking around at everything. 
Uh, up ahead, there is a wide set of stairs, stone, that lead up to the house itself. There's a big, wide front porch. And then there are two double doors that come together, which are bookended by a window on the left and window on the right. Doctor falls into step beside Maeve. I hope you are not angry with me for the way this has turned out. Why would I be angry with you? Well, the situation is not ideal, and you are confronting things that are quite personal. I unfortunately put you into this position. I know that's where you were going anyway, but some it was seemingly unexpected. So I do apologize if at any point you are offended. Now, should we kick down the door, or should we break a window? Are the doors locked, Mike? Uh, no one has tested them, so... Yeah, I was going to try and just push the door open. Can I just light it on fire? <laughs> I mean, we could, but I don't think we're that far yet. You turn on the handle. It it definitely gives you some resistance, but it eventually... The, the knob turns and the door opens. I look back at Samantha... What room were you guys in? Oh, it was it was upstairs, near the library, if if I remember right. Uh, yes, uh, definitely upstairs. Definitely upstairs. I remember running running down the stairs to to get out. So, so the main foyer here, which is what you guys are staring into, is pretty reasonable in size. Definitely a, a large start to the house. You can also see that just. If you raise your vision up a little bit, you would be able to see that there is a uh, second floor veranda in this main foyer that kind of looks down here. There's no immediate staircase that you see. What method of light are you bringing out? Because there's no lights on in the house and it's dark outside. I'm going to try the light switch. There's no response from the light switch. Although you do hear a ticking in the room. Oh, like from a clock? Yep. Yeah, there's a uh, beautiful and perhaps if a bit, if not a bit ominous grandfather clock in the corner that is moving back and forth. Still in time. Well, that's not ominous at all, is it? <laughs> Clearly, Doctor, the clock is German. Hmm. Look at that. Amazing craftsmanship. Look around, Mike. Are there any candles, candle sconces, or candle holders around the room? Uh, absolutely. Wunderbar. I would like to grab one and light it. Okay. You light it up. And there's probably three or four different candles. Uh, so we'll say there's four candles on the candlestick there. And it lights up the room fairly well. I light them all and then offer a candle to each person. Uh, so with a bit of light, you can tell that there is a hallway that goes to the right. And in this foyer, there are also a set of double doors in front of you which seem to lead deeper into the house. Mike, I hand the candelabra itself to Lillian, and I keep just a candle. Okay. I take it. Thank you, Doctor. The Doctor studies Lillian for a moment and then turns away and keeps going. So where are you off to? Are you going to head deeper into the house or down the hallway? I'm pretty much just looking at Samantha and where we should go. Perhaps we split into two groups. Look no. around. No, no, uh, Scooby and no. Scooby, I'll go this way. Ne never a good idea in in this sort of a situation. I I I think if uh, 
if there's still this uh, whatever you think it is, Miss Miss O'Shea, uh, I think we should stay together, especially in a dark house at night. So what room did you originally do the original incantation in? One of the larger rooms uh, upstairs. It was suitably dark and atmospheric. Perhaps we should go there? Uh, yes, I suppose the, the library is right next to it. This way. And she's gonna just move down the hall. Her hands are shaking a little bit, but she's just keeping her eyes dead ahead towards the staircase. You head deeper into the house? She keeps saying this word library and she's gonna distract me. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> right? She's throwing the book word around. That's not yeah. <laughs> Careful, careful. Um, so deeper into the house, past these double doors, you enter a main dining room. So it's a, a large dining room, which is pretty pretty clear that was the pride of whoever lived here at one point. It stands empty. There's a pretty foul smell in here. Doctor, it reminds you of um, if a, an animal had gotten in here and, and maybe is, has passed at some point. It smells... It's not an immediate smell. It's more like there's a malaise of it in the room. So it's probably something that's died in here that's long since passed. Hold the handkerchief over my face and look around for maybe a window I can open while they look around. Yeah, there's a window beyond the table. Okay, I slide it open so a little bit. You go around the table and you go to open the window and you realize that there's food rotting on the table. Well, apparently whoever left left in a hurry. Look at this. There's food on the table. Well, I can't imagine that anybody stuck around after what happened. Perhaps this is a good thing. If there is still something here, then it hasn't gotten anyone else that we know of. The key phrase being that we know of. All right, uh, this way. Let's not uh, stay in the creepy dining room. This way. And she turns down into the hallway. You guys pass what is obviously a service kitchen, and uh, you get into some of the back hallways of the house here. You can tell that there are a couple of wall sconces back here too for but they uh, unfortunately aren't lit so it, you're really only getting about two to three feet of light total from each candle so you're having to stay kind of in a line uh, to keep from tripping over things you make another left and then a right and you find yourself at a staircase which goes up up here careful now. Uh, one of these uh, steps, uh, floorboard, was a little bit loose. Just careful, doctor. Don't get shade. You hear a stiff breeze roll through the walls and windows of this house. And, doctor, you hear from behind you a very light change in pitch to that wind as it brushes past your shoulder and out the window you'd opened previously. Doctor kind of looks around for a moment, sees if anyone else reacts to it, pulls the collar of his jacket a little. To... <clears throat> Nothing to worry about. Carry on. You arrive on the second floor, and directly in front of you, the hallway goes straight and then takes a right. But directly in front of you, there's a door, and it's half open a bit. It looks like this is a bathroom of some sort, at least from what you can see. Why don't you give me a listen roll? That's a big fail for me. That's 15 under 68. That is a hard success, sir. 
Uh, 68 out of 20. Okay. 62 out of 20. 98 out of 70. Yes, that's that's not good. So, Lillian, you hear the voice of an older man, a a definite um, adult male, and you and you alone hear, just sitting on your right shoulders where the voice comes from, you hear, keep coming down the hallway. You're getting closer. Jesus Christ. James... The doctor hears some sort of gurgling from inside the washroom. It almost sounds like if if you were listening with your stethoscope at someone's stomach um, and they were digesting food, that's what it would sound like. Sloshy, squashy sound. Yeah, there's definitely a, a rolling bubble and uh, and squishing sound. It's almost as if intestines are processing their uh, last meal. Is the laundry room before or like is that it's a wash it's a washroom okay okay oh, well like a like a basically a restroom bathroom kind of a washroom yeah I mean that's what okay. you can see okay. from the, like the tile floor and the what you can see of it with the door open is there's a tile floor in there and there's obviously a sink I look at and look to see if anyone else in the cadre here heard that Miss Lane is looking around a little strangely something from over there. I will go look. You stay here. Uh, uh, sure, there's nothing uh, nothing over there. It's probably probably just the wind. He turns and looks at Samantha with a smile. Then there is no reason for me not to go look. And yeah, he turns so. and walks over to the door. You walk over to the door. What are you doing? Uh, is the door closed? No, it's slightly ajar. That's why you can see the floor and the the sink. Slightly ajar. Okay. He puts the doctor bag down to the side of the doorway and keeps it open so that it's at hand. Sure. And then gently nudges the door open with his foot. You gently nudge the door open. It gives you a wonderful and appreciative creak as it's been so long since anyone has touched it. And there, just across the way from or there is a, a bath. And that bath is filled with a strange gurgling substance. It takes your view immediately. It takes your view from seeing the rest of the scene, which is littered with what appear to be broken pieces of a chair. This tub seems to be filled with a a reddish yellow liquid. It's thick just at the sight of it. You can tell it's congealed a bit. Is it moving? If you didn't know any better, you'd say yes. All right. I look around my immediate surroundings for something other than my cane that I can stick into the tub. I mean, you could walk over and pick up a piece of the broken chair and and attempt to fish into it. Fish into it is a generous term uh, <laughs> more to see if there's any hard lumps yeah uh, but I find the longest piece of chair I very slowly and very carefully or grab a piece of chair and mm-hmm. poke it into the sludge in the tub and see if there's any movement and or solid chunks in there stealing myself for possible human remains floating to the surface the piece of wood goes in it, it th- this gelatinous material 
accepts it. It isn't so much that you press it into it. It's as if the material accepts it. And when it does, there is a strong smell of blood and what smells like fat, almost. And then the material itself lunges back out of the tub at you. Backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. We'll we'll get to that, don't worry. Sure, sure. (laughs) So if you'd like to dodge, you can. I would love to dodge. I was just thinking about that. Boy, that's not at all, sir. So you lunged back to try to keep this thing from getting to you. The sheer volume of this gelatinous fluid that comes at you is shocking. And to those of you with candles in the background, it's highly disturbing. It's almost as if a wave of not only red and yellow gel, but a wave of smell that comes off of this jumps at the doctor. And it grapples hold of your left arm. The doctor shrieks something in German. Does it grab his arm like with other gelatinous material or is it like a tentacle? Is it like uh, it's not like a tentacle per se, not in the traditional sense as we all know and love, but it is a gelatinous arm of sorts. Okay. And just knowing some of your dexterity, the first person that's going to get to react is Lillian. Well, yeah. It's more like a flesh pseudopod. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Doctor, give me a listen roll. I, I, yes. Yeah. Is just it for me screaming? I mean, nope. Nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, I failed that too. 81 okay. out of 61. Over 61. Alrighty. Busy not trying not to crap his pants. Um, so Lillian, it's going to come to you first. The question in my mind is, you see this thing, this scene play out. What would be Lillian's first reaction? Is it like coming at me or am I just watching that what's partaking between what's going on between doctor and this, this gelatinous goo type thing? It seems to have latched onto him pretty heavily. Well, that's not good. Mike, can I soliloquy before she goes? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I just shout into my bag. This bag. Oh, in your bag, in your bag. Got it. I run for, I run for, what am I, what am I getting out of your bag? I run for doctor's bag. I rummage in it. What am I finding in it, doctor? There is medicine. There's syringes, but uh, strapped to the inside back is the handle of what feels like a gun. So you want me to take the gun against the gelatinous goo? Sweet. All right. It's, I gra- oh, by the way, I- it's larger than a gun. So yeah. A little okay. larger. Um, I grab the gun. Okay. You pull out a gun. Very good. Sweet. Oh, he's getting shot in the back. <laughs> Stop. It's not that kind of episode. Are you gonna? Are you going to pull the trigger? Can I pull the trigger without hitting the doctor? Um, I mean, that's a question really for the dice to answer, Miss Lane. Well, I understand, but like in the room, in the room that they're in, am I going to have a clear shot? Like, you you would probably want to step to the side a little bit, but but you should be able to get a roughly clear shot off. <laughs> roughly, roughly. Okay, all right. I'll step to the side and take a shot then. We all know where this is going. Where we know. <laughs> we know. I'm right. putting my life in your hands, Miss Lane. You're dumb. Oh, dude, but my handgun skill is just... She's got to get close. <laughs> That's true. What could go wrong? Right? Hold my beer. 
So you could, if you wanted to, if you wanted to, you could aim. Okay. Right for this round, and then the next time, you would be at advantage because you would be aiming. That might make the roll a little bit more friendly for you. You know what? I yeah, I play a little bit safe. I take a look at the handgun and I. Doesn't even look like a pistol. It looks like something else. Like it's in pistol form, but there's a single barrel, and the barrel is, yeah, it's bright orange. So it's like the cricket from Men in Black. Like you know, it's that small. No, it's a player gun. Oh, oh, all right. So, yeah. Oh, oh. Okay. All right. I'll take a shot with it. All right. If I shoot you with the flare gun, Doctor, I'm so sorry. You can still die and burn up from that. That's right. That house is coming down. Coming down. All right. Ugh. Okay. So, are you aiming this round, Miss Miss Lane, or are you are you firing now? I'll aim this round. Okay. Very good. Uh, so, Miss um, O'Shea, I believe Dexwise is next, if memory serves correctly. I'm pulling my knife out of my uh, pocket, and I'm going to see if I can at least sever the goo from, you know, its its other goo self and the doctor. Okay. Basically, cut the arm. But that's a fighting brawl roll. Wow, Ooh. that was nice. That's One a- out of forty-two. That's a critical success. It's also an impale roll because it's a crit with a bladed weapon. Hell yeah. So what we're going to do is 1d4 uh, plus your damage bonus. Since it's an impale, it's going to do double. So you'll, do, you'll deal eight points of damage automatically. Oh, okay. Yes, that's, that's a crit. That's as good as it gets. So you slice down with the ritual dagger and you lop this flopping piece of you know, undulating gel off Sigmund and it kind of rises and wriggles back down on the floor. And when it lands on the floor and it rises a bit, you can see that it begins sweeping its way towards back out into the, the hallway. It's actually coming kind of straight for Samantha at this point. Of course it is. Speaking of which, <laughs> it is your action. I see this thing coming, like, coming towards me and I'm going to try to push at it with the with the lit candle and see if the fire does anything. Like I'm backing up a bit, but also like, as it comes closer, trying to hit it with the lit flame of the candle. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any other weapons, Mike. That's true. <laughs> it's, it's almost as if it was planned that way. Anyway. Um, okay. So so are you gonna be defensive postured then? It doesn't it's not gonna yes. get an attack on you per se, but at least not yet. Yes, that's the plan. Oh. Underbar as uh, the doctor would say. Doctor, speaking of, you are set free. Aha, most amiable turn of events. I backpedal out of the room. I was gonna say, can I, like, grab him by the back of his collar and get him out of the room and slam the door shut? Well, you could, you can definitely help him out of the room on your action, but Sigmund actually gets to act. Now. Oh, okay. Yeah, if she helps me backwards out of the room, I do so moving defensively so that I, you know, with my cane at the ready, as I have nothing else. But the moment I'm clear of Lillian's view, I shout, shoot it! Shoot it now! You clear yourself out of the way. Um, You're no longer under a penalty, Miss Lane, and now you have advantage. So if you'd like to fire, you may uh, proceed. Great. Um, So I mean, I'll just use my handgun. Yeah. Alright. This should be fun. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. 
I love that you have advantage. Please do a thing. Do. You do have advantage. I don't have enough luck in the world to cover that. It's okay, because you have advantage. Thank okay. You. Thankfully, that's a... Do it again. A... Why do people keep giving this woman guns? I'm just saying. Hey, listen, my, <laughs> rifle, my rifle skill is so much higher than that. It was not a rifle. It's okay. Go ahead and, and roll your bonus die, so that way we can see the other roll, because you have advantage on it. Those of you playing along at home, Morgan rolled a 100 over 20. 20. <laughs> I did now roll an 11 over 20, though, now. So. Nice recovery. Yeah. Aren't you, aren't you glad you aimed? That's um, why so I aimed. You lock your legs into a shooting position, and you fire, and there is a whoosh out of the front of the gun, and a big, fat ball of red-hot fire goes at this gelatinous pool and when it hits it uh, the whole tub blossoms with a sickly sweet almost fleshy smell uh, as the gelatinous material begins to bubble and pop yuck it's kind of gross we can go now right out uh, up this come on out of here I would like to close the bathroom door now <laughs> okay yeah, um, as quickly as possible. Miss Lane makes her exit, and then you shut the door. And um, now everybody can make a listen roll. Oh, Miss Lane got out? Okay, cool. Well, unless you were going to shut the room with her in it. No, no. I passed that one. 13 under 20. Nope. God, I can't hear anything. Passed my listen with a 44 under 68. Very good. Um, so, Miss Lane, Sigmund, and uh, Samantha, please roll sanity for me as... The voice oh God. and screams that come out of the bathroom are a horrifying cacophony of uh, someone desperately, desperately asking for help. Anybody hear the music? <laughs> so, that is a 94. Ooh. I succeeded with a 56 under 65. Samantha? Of okay. course. And, and, <laughs> of course. And Samantha loses another point of sanity. Lovely. Tough night for her. Things are not going well for Samantha. I mean, she is traveling with you all. Anyway. Yeah, wh- whose fault is it? Everyone else? <laughs> so uh, you've, you've shut the door, Doctor, and you can kind of hear what's going on, and it gives you a real stiff chill in your bones, but uh, slowly but surely the voice, desperate for help, is no more. We can all agree that was weird, right? Yes? That was... was It's moderately weird. Among one of the stranger things I have ever experienced, yes. Samantha just looks at you, just... I don't think I want to know. Nope. This way. Really don't. This way, come on. So this uh, hallway opens out into this, uh, goes down, or I should say, the hallway continues in the path and then takes a right. And, uh, you come to the balcony, which overlooks the, the lower hall. You can tell that the uh, floorboards here are almost slick. They're wet with this, well, gelatinous slickness. Seems to, seems to be... Uh, Maybe a pathway, whatever was in the bathtub took to get here. Further down the hall, you can tell that the 
the hallway comes to an end. Uh, Samantha, you would know that uh, it's beyond this hallway that there is uh, the antechamber where you prepared to begin the ritual, and then there's a left turn, very short hallway before you get to the uh, tower itself. So, uh, if you'd like to uh, follow me through here, if whatever was back there didn't scare you off. What is back there did not scare us off, but I would not use the word like. Uh, no, no, uh, I guess not. <laughs> well, uh, come on in, come on in. The quicker we get this done, the better, I suppose. So you guys enter the next room, the room at the end of the hall here, and this is a study. And there's quite a few things here that catch the eye. There's papers, there's a desk, there are books here. You said the B word, Mike, in front of me. I know. It's um, this room, relatively quiet. Doctor, this almost feels like a, a nice, quiet spot. If there is a spot that appears to be unmolested by whatever is going on in the house, this seems to be a calm spot. I'm going to look and see what's on the desk. Uh, There seems to be a series of notes laid out. Uh, Samantha, you would know that this room was used by the the four of you to to prepare, to set things up before going into the ritual space. This is where you did any of your previous research. This is where you went over your incantation lines. A lot of that paperwork is here. Well, I'm going to gather up the notes on the ritual and stuff. This is very um, compelling for you, Miss O'Shea. All of these notes that you're collecting, these uh, ritual notes, are all written by your father. His handwriting is unmistakable. A lot of references to uh, the inhabitants of this world, and there's something here about the mutability of the human bodily structure. Just glancing through them in the candlelight, there is a definite desire, you can tell in the writing, there is a urgency to getting this right. Okay. So, if you're continuing out from this room... No. No? Staying here? (laughs) I'm gonna look at Samantha and ask her if the book is in this room. Yes, yes, it's it's on the desk uh, over there. uh, The the blue one, uh, I think. Uh, You'll (laughs) you'll excuse me if I don't... uh, Go over there. Okay. S- Samantha's kind of leaning up against the the wall a little bit, like with her arms crossed over her chest, shivering a little bit, like she's cold. Do I see the book? You do. What's the name of the book? There isn't a title to it. Oh, no title. Okay, I will gather a book. The room where the casting was done. That's that's the next room over, correct? I mean, as far as Samantha knows, there's a there's a short hallway between the two, but... I, I look over at Samantha. Samantha, which room did you do your casting in? Down the... Through that door, down the little hallway? Um, through there? Uh, yes, yes, in there. And she points down the, down the hall. I can see it from where I am. Yeah, I mean, if you okay. pop your head out that door, you go left and... You can tell that the hallway ends uh, shortly thereafter. I look over at the doctor. Doctor, do you, would you care to accompany me? I was already thinking of it. Well, why wouldn't gets... we all go? We can all go. You need to find the book, yes? I found the She's book. She's got the book. Oh, wunderbar. 
I'm sorry. I was looking at this mold patch over here. Just <laughs> follow Miss Lillian out the door, though, as she all, as we all, you know, okay. as they follow in behind. She's got an idea. I let her play it out. You walk this short hallway. It zigzags a bit. Uh, and then there's a door on the right-hand side. And uh, you can... You get a pretty decent impression of of what is beyond the door just from the fact that uh, there is a sign <laughs> to the left of the door that says a shelf for every book. As there should be. The door shut, I'm assuming? It is. Okay. I go to open it. Am I, able, am I able to open it? Yes, absolutely. Great. All right, open it. I have the candelabra, I'm assuming, still in my hand. Um for light. Yeah, you do. You you put your hand on the door, the doorknob, and you turn. And as you turn, that knob kind of pulses a bit in your hand. But it doesn't prevent you from opening the door. Once, this room probably held many books. But you can see that all of the books here are gone. The shelves ripped clean. There's also a stiff breeze in this room. And just by looking up, you can see that this library, which was once a a complete room has been cracked open to the, the sky above. Walls and the floor are coated in uh, a thick substance. Yeah, it's hard to see specifically without getting close, but just shining the candlelight down at it, you can see that there's a strange quality to it. Doctor, as you're coming in behind her, you can see that Miss Lane has stopped a bit short as she's after she's come in and she stopped. Uh, and she's examining the floor. Step up next door. What do you see? There seems to be some substance on the floor. I, I don't want to. I, I don't. I don't want to touch it just in case. But do, um, do I see it as well, Mike? If you if you're gonna do a closer inspection, sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna pull out my stone since she said something about the land beyond the dreams. Okay. Is it? Has it changed colors? Is it warm? Your stone is nearing difficult-to-touch heat at this point. It is warmed, and you can see that some of the white rivulets that are in the uh, this blue stone have begun to almost shine with an inner quality to them. Does it get brighter if I walk towards the center of the room? <laughs> are you going to walk in? Well... I was thinking about it. I mean, they're standing in the doorway, though, I think. so. They're standing just a, just a few feet inside, just a few steps inside. But Samantha, she pulls out this stone. It's, it's a little hard to conceal as it glows now. What's, what's, what's that? It was a stone that was given to us. Uh, why is it uh, glowing? Well, it has some kind of properties to it that we don't quite understand yet. That's very encouraging. Well, it usually has to do with magic, as far as I can tell. Mike, is this same substance on the walls as well? Yeah, it is. Miss O'Shea, Samantha, are you staying outside the room or going in? Well, I'll step in as far as the other two are. Okay. I can move in further. Is there any spots that are open that aren't that don't have the substance on the floor? No, it seems that it's pretty well coated. It also, it doesn't feel like wood. Oh. I step in further. I just so Samantha and Maeve can come in too. Okay. Yeah, I'll follow Maeve in. 
very tentatively. So the space is really only big enough for probably you four and maybe a couple of other folks. It's a library, but at the same point in time, it's also only so big. But this for you, this moment, Samantha, is transformative, Uh, but not in a great way. Just being here again brings back a vicious imagery of Peter and Richard and Neil and the echoes of what played out in this room a year ago begin to dance like so many a marionette in your head and one by one Peter and Richard and Neil take their places and almost as after images in your mind they stand in their positions and they begin this strange and long rite Samantha's hands visibly start shaking and, and her body language starts tensing up and like breathing a little bit heavier but almost kind of like in a in a trance as she's reliving this she moves to the place in the room where she was standing during the ritual and just eyes kind of a bit glazed over it's like she's reliving it and she can't quite break out of it Doctor, give me a medicine roll. I would love to. 51 under 82. The substance on the floor Mm -hmm. is human flesh. I thought as much. Is it like a large patch of it that's networked to what's on the wall? It's a large patch of it that's, well, networked to other parts of the floor and and, and, uh, other parts of the wall. Very slowly... And very carefully, the doctor begins to reload the flare gun. Miss Lane, why don't you make me a spot hidden roll? And I whisper to Miss Lane, don't touch anything. Well, that's exactly what I wanted to do. <laughs> She's a touchy-feely sort. I am. Um, got a 53 out of 88. You notice that at the far end of this room, you notice that there is... Uh, something laying on the the ground. It's rather large, and you wouldn't have noticed it at first, except that the shadows here, being what they are, with only four simple candles, it can't cover the whole room, can't light everything up. And with the sky overhead not offering much as far as light goes, you had only noticed uh, just now that there seems to be some sort of form, or some sort of It's hard to say specifically. It's a long cylindrical, it must be, maybe maybe it's a small bed that's positioned at one spot in the room. I move a little bit closer to try to see if I can get a better view of what that is. You get a little closer. You see that this growth that seems to be here leads up the wall and it goes, it goes several feet into the air. It's almost as if there's a some sort of pod or, or some sort of bed that's been attached to the wall. It's covered in this, as this substance is. How many feet away am I from that now? Oh, probably a good 10 or so feet. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. I look back to the doctor and I nod to where that whatever it is, is. Doctor, we might have a problem. Can I move over to see what she's looking at? Yeah, I agree. 
You said it's like a pod? It seems to be something like a pod, yes. Or more like a call? Depending upon your perspective, perhaps. Doctor, you see that the um, the floor and the walls are starting to move? It's as if the um, the pores of the skin are breathing. Um, how is my stone reacting? It's pretty hot now. You're going to need to switch it between hands because it's now warming up to the point where it's uncomfortable. You'd have to maybe wrap it in something just to keep your skin away from direct contact. Hey, Mike, how deep is the substance on the floor? Mm, probably two to three inches, maybe. It's enough to obscure uh, the floorboards. Can I see up on closer inspection? Is it all veiny and such, or is it pretty much just like one solid mass of skin? It is definitely veiny. Okay, fantastic. Uh, then the doctor puts carefully puts the flare gun down, or puts it in his pocket, and retrieves a large vial of morphine and a syringe. He's going to give this thing whatever it is a good sleepy by. If it has veins, it has a heart. I, as long as it takes me to, unless I'm interrupted, would like to inject the entire bottle into one of these large veins. Okay, so you're going to approach it. Very good. Um, as he approaches it, as the doctor you know, kind of wields this step closer, Miss O'Shea, you get a sudden and urgent anxious feeling about what he's about to do. Like, it's bad, it's wrong, no, don't. I'm gonna look over at the doctor. Wait! He pauses if she says something. Like, a few inches above it with the syringe. Can I see, like, what's in this pod? Can you see through it? Can you not see through it? It's not see-through by any means. The um, gelatinous uh, and uh, flesh sack is far too thick. Is anything moving in it? There does seem to be a form inside the uh, the call that is moving around. It bulges out in certain spots. Doctor, maybe we can do surgery really quick? He looks around the room. Alright. Where do you wish to operate? I point the thing out to him and how it's moving and it seems like there's something in it. I can do surgery. Both of you over here, I need as much light as possible. Yeah, I give him as much light as I can. Same. And my stone. I'll wrap it in my sleeve. Okay. Fish out my scalpel. Samantha, what are you doing? I think Samantha is still a bit oblivious to what's going on because she's just standing in position watching the whole thing like reliving the whole thing as it plays out in front of her okay fair enough um doctor you have enough light but you're gonna need a very sharp object you think to to pierce this call my scalpel is probably not large enough the blade isn't long enough that's for sure yeah I look at Maeve's knife I will if you look at it I hand it to you yeah I take it and test the edge on it. Oh, it's sharp. There's no doubt. 
Alright, I see. Hopefully that'll be large enough, and then I go to work on this thing. Right down the middle, one large cut to about three-fourths, and then a Y incision at the bottom so that we can see it. Actually, no, make the Y at the top. Okay. So, cut up from the bottom and then a Y at the top so that I can move the flaps to the side. Treating it like a large torso. You begin to make your Y incision. And I'll move the camera. So... Damn it. Jack and um, Lawrence, after your um, dalliances in the uh, Soho streets, are you planning on going back to the hotel? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Unless uh, Lawrence has anything else. No, I don't have anything else right now. Okay. Your walk through the streets of Soho are... And eventually back towards the hotel. It's undeniable that you get the sense that someone is watching you. All right, I'll uh, see if I can take a look around. I'll do the same. You know, surreptitiously. Okay, go ahead and give me a spot hidden roll. 67 under 92. I'm distracted. 99. (laughs) You're not just distracted, you're you're critical failing. Yeah. I'm trying desperately not to think about any, the possibility of anybody following me. Right. Uh, Jack, it's fairly clear to you that you are being followed, although you haven't been able to hone in on who yet. Okay, so we're going to take the long way. Okay. I won't tell Lawrence this yet, but obviously he's oblivious, so we're going. I'm going to steer him the long way. So it probably is a good five or ten minutes later, Mr. Forsyth, when you realize that you're not at the hotel for whatever reason. You're not sure where Jack is going, but uh, you, you don't think the hotel is this way. Jack, where are we going? Somebody's following us. What? Somebody is following us. I'm going to look don't around look. very obviously. Don't look. <laughs> I critical him, okay? <laughs> That's true. Play it, well. Play it out. So, uh, Mr. Forsyth, you see two, maybe three? No, wait, four? They're, they're all over the place. There's The streets are full of eyes now. Yes, let's... let's uh, I'm going to look for a subway uh, entrance. Yep, there's one right over there. Let's go that way. I'm just going to go that way. Okay, you proceed that way. You head into the, yeah, the subway, the tube as it were. Down the sh- short steps here, as your heels ring off the the stone steps. You can tell that this area down here below is also filled with eyes. So, uh, let's, uh, let's get a ride, huh? Okay, where do you want to ride to? Well, where does this particular uh, tube stop go? Well, it looks like it goes back towards the uh, east of town. Looks like a gown goes down near the docks towards the city itself. All right, that's fine. You see the words Whitechapel? Oh, that's not, uh... <laughs> that's not ominous at all. No, not at all. All right, so we'll get on the tube and take it to uh, Whitechapel. Okay, you get on. Why don't you boys make me another spot hidden roll? And then, Jack, given your uh, profession and skills, are you actively trying to lose your tail? Yeah. I got extreme success. 
I got a hard success, 15 under 57. Actually, I would like to catch them. You would like to catch them? Yeah. Okay, so why don't you give me a track roll? Okay. You know what? I'm going to spend six luck. Okay. So you spend six luck. You guys ride the tube for a little while. And as the as the motion of that tube ride goes left and right and back and forth and whatnot, you see that there are four gentlemen that have begun moving their way up through this series of cabs to get towards you. All right, is there a way that I can uh, kind of move to the side, you know, maybe out of sight, see if they can pass me? Um, there's not a whole lot of places to hide here, but uh, it's not impossible, so I would give you a stealth roll if you wanted. Yeah, I'm going to try. See how that works. What uh, What are your plans, Mr. Forsyth, as uh, Mr. Doyle begins looking for a place to hide? You stay right there. Yeah, I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to put my hand in my right pocket and curl my fingers in my brass knuckles, just in case. Uh, Jack, you hide. And uh, these four gentlemen begin to move closer. Uh, Mr. Forsyth, you can tell that there are uh, an array of nationalities and body types. Pull out my gun. And they have a, a look of a deadly intent. They haven't made any direct aggressive actions just yet. I don't see any any weapons, do I? Or anything that looks like weapon. You don't see any weapons. Uh, they're probably within about 15 or so feet of your position, Jack. You're still well hidden at this point. Okay. Uh, the first one, the lead of their group, seems to get within dis- talking distance, we'll say, with you, Mr. Forsyth. You can see he's... Got a bit of a crooked nose, and he's got a slouch hat on and a coat that's pulled up against the cold. And he gets ready to say something to you. And the train slows to a stop because it's at its next stop. And as the doors open, two members of the Metropolitan Police walk in. Fuck. As they do, they walk right through where you're standing and they nod at you and you can see that these gentlemen, we'll call them uh, begin to scatter not obviously, but slowly enough that uh, it's going to look like more passengers I'm going to uh, unclench my hand in my pocket Okay. take it out and adjust my hat as the uh, tube ride starts up again you can see that the four assailants or potential assailants have uh, made their way into the dark ends of this station far from view and the members of the Met have uh, continued on down the line the doors close and the train moves on damn it alright I uh I will approach uh foresight oh that's unfortunate <laughs> I will say, I'll say this. I'll say two things. One, um, one, the gentleman who approached you directly, Mr. Forsyth, you have a good read on what he looks like. If you come across him again, you'll know it. And two, 
one of our patron backers played a hand of fate in favor of you this evening. So you have them to thank for that uh, little incursion by the Metropolitan Police. That wasn't a thank you. It was for foresight. I think he got his ass whooped. <laughs> Anyhow. So when I looked at the guy, did I happen to see him at the club? That's an excellent question. So why don't you roll me uh, idea? So make an edu roll, but with same roll. See if you can okay. remember back. That's a eight. Oh, I failed. It's sixty-seven okay. over fifty-five. Yeah, you're not sure. It's possible, Jack. As you're thinking back to your conversation with Mahmoud about your potential journey to Egypt, you think you remember seeing that guy across the club from you. Yeah. He was sitting at the same table that those dancers uh, were performing at. He was watching just from the back. Yeah. I'm not surprised. So Lawrence, can you tell me about a little more about the, uh, your, your conversation? What was her name? And why is she helping us out? Uh, she claims her brother was, or her husband or boyfriend or whatever was murdered by, uh, the people at the club. Was he one of the victims uh, of the Egyptian murders? She doesn't know for sure. She just hasn't seen him since. And she claims they threatened her. So they killed her boyfriend, but just threatened her? Doesn't make much sense, does it? Maybe. She described them as members of the Brotherhood. So most likely the Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh. Yeah. She just said the Brotherhood, but I don't know of any other Brotherhoods. I'm sure they're not members of the Order of the Owls. Um, (laughs) She said that they use the Blue Pyramid. The bartender's one of them. The manager's one of them. Probably more than just them. Right. She said that that she, uh, at the spice shop, hosts people. Uh, among them, she described uh, Gavigan from the Penhue Foundation. Okay. Description checks out tall, 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 dude. And says that they go every new moon and go to some place outside of London. They travel in a, in a group of cars. Gotcha. Does she know where they start up? Uh, at the club. Okay. That ties the Penhue Foundation and uh, the Brotherhood together, which would make Simone severe, extremely happy. Well, somebody's happy. Well, you know, it'll just uh, justify his uh, paranoia over the Foundation. Remember, it's not paranoia if they're out to get you. Speaking, speaking of Simone. Amen. High atop his perch. What, what more information are you looking for? Um, so as far as the docs are concerned, um, like how long, how long will you watch that? I was going to wait for them to unload the truck. Yep. And basically I'm waiting to see whether or not this truck leaves or whether it's part, basically I'm trying to figure out cause there's the warehouse, right? And then there's the, the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this truck and this truck is the one, the same one that comes from Penhue. So basically I'm waiting to see if they unload it, whether the truck stays or goes. Cause my assumption is that the truck stays 
um, it's used by the warehouse. If the truck goes, it's like a penhu thing. And then after, if the if whether or not the truck leaves, um, I will be departing at least when the sun is up because I need to make a phone call and stop to figure out whether this ship is owned by that warehouse or someone else or penhu or someone else. Okay. So a couple of things. One, the truck stays put. Okay. After it's unloaded, the men basically finish up and seem to eventually leave. They don't stay there at the warehouse. Well, one question about the men as well. Um, mm-hmm. Are the crew that's unloading the truck staying on board? Like, is there a split somewhere? There is a split, yes. Okay. So are there like obvious crew members, I guess is what I'm asking. Yes. Yeah. So the the obvious crew members, just from your vantage point, uh, kind of cut along racial lines. Okay. Uh, the, the men from the ship are from Asia. You can it's fairly discernible even from distance mm. given their size okay and uh, it's not something you're terribly unfamiliar with given your uh, previous boat travels Asia? right okay the men from the truck side and the warehouse side are all English okay. you can tell uh, but they seem to work together perfectly fine like there's no um, it doesn't seem like a uh, an unknown relationship, if you get my meaning. Like, they so seem they, to, to so know each other. Cooperating. They're, they're familiar. I mean, it's midnight. They're working together. It's right. Either that or somebody's getting paid really well. Either way, they're fine. So there's not a whole lot without, like, I'm definitely not going to do anything while they're unloading. Once the truck is done being unloaded, do the unloaders with the truck stay at the warehouse then, or do they leave? No, they leave. Okay. The only people you would imagine in the area are the sailors who are staying on board the ship. So that's really interesting then. Okay. So yeah, they, they, I would have to wait until... I'm guessing there's a... What are they called? A dockmaster or something like that that I can... Because like the, the ships that come in and have to dock and like leave have to register somewhere, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And like, I don't know if they have things that are posted visibly or whether there's kind of a... An offici- a place where the, the, any their, their passage is officiated, whatever that is. Yep. So you would have to go to Lloyd's Register of Shipping for that. Um, and given that your residence has been this area for some time, it's a fairly well-known building. You know where ships have to register at. They have to tell people when they come, when they go, stuff like that. They have to check in. Right. Okay. And then like, let's say if I were someone who was trying to schedule a ship, I would have to go there and like set up a departure time and all that other stuff. If you were a captain, yes. Sure. How, how available is that information? I guess during, is that like a, is that one of those things that anyone can get access to or are there like official channels you have to go through? You would imagine that if you stopped into Lloyd's register of shipping, you would be able to, uh, tell them what berth it was in and get the name. You might not get much more than that, but if you told them, I'm looking for this and this berth, or could you tell me where Where, this ship is docked? Yeah. Or like when it's going. Yep. You could probably get an idea of where it was going to. Okay. Um, is it, it, does it happen to be near, um, a phone box? Oh, I would imagine there's phone boxes all over the place. Excellent. Once the uh, once the unloaders depart, 
so at, at that point in the evening, the warehouse is unoccupied. It does seem that that is the case, yes. I mean, no light, no visible lights or like people wandering. Nope, there doesn't seem to be any visible lights at all. Okay. Is this the only port that this warehouse has? I mean, does it look like the port does the does the port is the port connected to the warehouse or are they just in proximity? No, it's connected. It's okay. a direct connect. All right. I guess what I'm asking is like, is it big enough that it would have more than one dock? For... No, it is not. It's not big enough for that. Okay. Okay. And yeah, in the morning I will head to the uh, Lloyd's registry and mm-hmm. do a little bit of poking around. Okay. Good. To... We will go back to the estate with our investigators who are about to get surgical. So doctor, you raise the ritual blade and begin making the first healthy incision in this undulating pulsing sack. When you say it like that, you make it sound gross. (laughs) And your hand has never been more deft. You are more sure now than you have ever been at doing something this strange. The the incision is clean, and as you cut it open, a form falls out. Let it fall. It collapses, body, fluid, which is just rank and this green and brown-colored fluid that seeps into the, well the flesh that makes up the floor. The body is of a older gentleman, maybe five foot seven, five foot eight. Uh, it looks like at one point he had a bit of hair crowning around the tops of his ears and the back of his head. He seems to have been bald on the top. Uh, his form is gnarled now, twisted into a misshapen form. He almost seems as if he's in a vegetative state. There's no immediate bodily reaction from him from falling out. His arms and legs are twisted almost back in on each other. And it reminds you, quite frankly, of a a chicken. From the way his arms and legs are twisted up. Is he, like, attached to, like, an umbilical cord? So there is a long, fleshy tendril that comes from his waist area, and it goes up and into the call. Well, that's nasty. (laughs) I'm going to point at it and look at the doctor. I... should we cut it? Well, wouldn't you think it would detach him from all of this? I don't know what to assume about all of this, but your logic is sound enough. I'll bend down and, or he'll bend down and cut the cord. You use the ritual dagger and sever the link. A couple things become rapidly clear. The flesh link between the two of them was filled with a viscous and vile fluid. It's darker, far darker than the rest of the fluid that came out of the call. Why don't you all give me con rolls? Me as well, even though I'm not standing next to them. No, actually, you're okay. You're okay. Thirty-nine under sixty-five. Ninety-seven out of fifty. 
8 over 60. So I'm probably going to hurl everywhere. Sweet. Maeve, you are overcome by a smell you've never even imagined. So when a child is first born, there are things that pass through their intestinal organs and out their bodies. That is some of the first nutrients that they pass through their digestive system. It's thick. And so it's almost a tar-like substance that comes out of this umbilical cord. And doctor, you have smelled it before, something similar to this. And so you, while not necessarily preparing for it, but you you did kind of mentally believe that something would, would give. You kind of steady yourself for it. Miss Lane, there are so many other nasty things that could possibly be smelled right now. One more ain't going to kill you. Miss O'Shea, you double over at the smell of this. It's too much. And you add some fluids to the floor. That's fine. When I'm done, I'll just stand up and wipe my mouth. <laughs> there is a call. A audible shriek from this form on the floor. And this being opens its eyes. And you can see that they are milk white. And there's this same sort of dark fluid that streams out of its tear ducts and out of its nose. And it shrieks at the sight of all of you. What is that? That's a good question. It's probably the same question all of your brains are asking. Mm -hmm. So... Why don't you make me another sanity roll? Oh, God. Fine. Can I, can I go with the Lumithos? You can make a sanity roll first, and then we'll see. Oh. I passed 17 under 50. 33 under 47. All right, Lillian's going to lose three sanity. For Maeve and the Doctor and Samantha, you each lose one point of sanity at seeing this. Much like the aforementioned chicken... Doctor, this thing begins scraping and moving its arms and elbows around, uh, desperate to try to get onto its malformed and seemingly useless legs. So this uh, this thing is in the it needs to be put out of its misery category? As a medical doctor, you are fairly certain that whatever life this thing might have had it cannot continue that life. It's it should not be. This this simply should not be. All right. Well, he uh, begins approaching the thing on the floor. Okay. And uh, he looks over at Lillian, I think, who is still standing near his bag, and kind of gestures for it. I uh, take the bag and toss it over to the doctor. Doctor, you you hear the same voice as you heard in the hallway. You hear it say, You're here. You're finally here. Who? It's out loud. Who is speaking? None of you heard anything else. Uh, Herr Doctor, are you uh, feeling all right? As can be expected in this situation, Fraulein. It rubs a juicy and malformed appendage on your side, Doctor. It seems to be desperate for some sort of calm some sort of 
comfort in its early moments of what might be called life. The doctor is not a heartless creature. Does the stone get brighter when this thing comes out? It sure does. Okay, what happens when I get, like, if I kneel down and get close to this form? You get overcome by a sense that there is another presence here. That something else is here. You don't know if it's this creature putting off some sort of energy you're not familiar with, but there is another presence in this room. Doctor looks over at Lillian. Lillian, is there any way that perhaps you could communicate with this whatever it is? Mm. <laughs> Wait. I no. There's, there, there's something else in this room, too. Hold on. So can I move my stone around to see, like, where it gets brighter, like, towards another presence? Or... Sure. Why don't you make me a power roll to douse the best spot? Nope. Okay. You're moving about the room with your stone, trying to find the best spot is... Can I use a cult to help me, like, maybe suss out? Mm, This is much more of a feel thing than a no thing. Oh, okay. Doctor. Yeah? Get your stone out, too. Oh, yeah? Fish it out of the bag, quick. You fish it out of the bag. This creature snaps, like, to attention. Um, It seems to focus on what your hand is doing. I distract it with my other hand. There's something else here. I need help figuring out what's here. Once I find my stone, um... I don't know. I toss. I could toss it to Lillian. But I don't know if they're synced up to us specifically. Well, you remember from the boat... That they are. Your stone was very difficult to uh, let go of. Yeah. I back away from the horrible chicken fl- chicken man on the floor. It cries. You hear it verbalize for the first time. Uh, and lift my stone up. What is it doing? Your stone, for the most part, is still relatively cool. It, it seems as if it's the in the normal state that it would normally be in. It's cool to the touch. It's not emitting any sort of light or substance. Yeah, looks like an everyday thing. But mine is glowing and hot. (laughs) Yeah, yours is like baked potato hot, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just pulled it out of the oven. I'm going to keep, I'm just going to keep like looking around like... Near the call, in the center of the room. You could always push your power roll. Doesn't that make it a higher difficulty or something? Well, I mean, pushing rolls never hurt anybody. (laughs) Yeah, I'll go ahead. Mm, Let's try. It's a trap. Oh, 51 out of 65. Okay. You walk the room just a bit almost counterclockwise and you end up in a position that is opposite of where Samantha is standing Samantha for your reference she is standing where Neil was during the ritual 
And as she kind of lines up with you 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock, you feel something like in your chest a slowly ease the pressure off. And the, the words of the ritual begin to, to form back in your mind. It, it's like things are beginning to put be put right in the room. You just need a couple more pieces to line up. Can I see what they're doing? Yeah, they seem to be standing at cardinal direction points. And like Maeve's hand is now almost uh, out away from her body. And you can tell that her stone is um, putting off heat. And even her normally pasty white skin is beginning to get a little sun. Doctor, if you would, over here. She's pointing across from her. I go to that spot, quickly backing away from the horrible chicken thing, and uh, probably tag, uh, tug Lillian to take the other spot. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's that's how it was. So, Doctor, as you step back into your position, and Lillian gets the idea fairly quickly, you realize that this call that the this thing that's been birthed out of it is now in the center of the four of you. Like a new one or the same one? No, the same one. This creature is now writhing around on the ground. Oh, in the center of us. As far as Samantha is concerned, everything now is in the right spot. Yes, yes, we can. Do you, do you have it? Do you have it? I'm looking at Maeve. I'll pull out the notes or the book, actually. Okay. You should start. He started it. I kind of glance at the doctor as I'm like flipping pages to the right, you know, to the chant or whatever, because I know that even Walmsley said that they chanted for hours. He nods reassuringly. Start it. Come on. And I will start it. So I'm going to have you make an occult roll. Oh, Just to make sure you can get the get it said correctly. 16 out of 83. 16 uh, out of 83, so extreme success. You open the book and you begin intoning these words. And every inflection and syllable comes to you as if you have already spoken them once before. The tones that come out of you, the sounds that your mouth makes reverberate off the walls here. It feels very much like the cave, but yet in a different sense. The being, the creature, this abnormal birth thing, it extends its stubby arms up to you. And you see a separate being, almost an after echo of it, detach from the body as the ritual begins and it slowly ascends into the air. You see it form into a gentleman from centuries ago. And from the descriptions you have, from your knowledge of the text, you realize Wait, this is Crompton, isn't it? that you're staring at Montgomery Crompton. God damn it. (laughs) Okay. Above you all, the sky opens with rain and water pours into this 
flesh-covered library. And the creature between the four of you begins to react to this rain as if it is something destructive. Its flesh rips away piece by piece, dissolving into the flesh of the room before that is eventually bubbles into gel. Crompton's spirit remains strong, fierce, and he stares at you from the space in the air, not but five feet from you, and you hear his voice high on the air say, You, you dare challenge me? I have walked the dream worlds, child. You seek to ruin my experiment, my rebirth? I will uh, keep my stone towards him and keep chanting. Uh, So for the rest of you, this is all very, um, it's engrossing. The feeling you get standing in this spot, Lillian, is one of affirmation. You realize that you're part of this, that whatever happens here, whatever solution Miss O'Shea comes to, you're going to play a hand as fate. And so I'd like you to make me a power roll. Got a 33 out of 50. Okay. Maeve, you see a tendril of energy birth itself out of Lillian and connect to Crompton's form. And he seems to react as if something has latched onto him, like chain. No! And Doctor, you too see this, and you feel your own sense of the moment. Why don't you make me a power roll? I would love 21 under 65. Hard success. Another chain. And then a third. Latch on to Crompton. And he begins to writhe in pain under the connective force of the ritual. This is it. This is the completion, Samantha. This is the way you undo what was done. So go ahead and roll power for me. Okay. Very momentous occasion. 36 under 55. A fourth tendril latches on from the southern position where Samantha stands at. And Crompton cries out in pain. A lone light in the sky. Perhaps it's a far off star. Perhaps it's a view of something from beyond. Connects with Crompton's form and scatters the spirit to the four winds. And you're each blasted back onto the ground, covered in the wet, slopping, and gelatinous form that was left. The room goes silent. Your candle's extinguished. Can I use the light of my stone? Sure. That's about all that's left. Yeah, I'm going to look around. You look around, and where the form were this misshapen, mis miscreant form was once lay you see the body of your father Uh, I'm gonna run over and roll him over okay you roll him over you can tell from his pale pallor from his breathless form that he left this world long ago you cradle him in your arms there the reign of 
England still falling on the both of you? I probably scream in anger and despair. Put him down and uh, calmly collect my things and walk out of the house and probably back towards the hotel. Not saying a damn thing to anyone. Okay, fair enough. So we will we will call the session there. Um, thank you so much for playing and th- thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll catch up with the Masks crew next week. <laughs>